Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are continuing our July mailbag. We're in the thick of the offseason now. The Knicks have made some moves, so we're going to discuss what their win total over under should be for next year. We're going to talk about if the Knicks have done enough to address their weaknesses this offseason. And finally, will Julius Randle play less minutes next year than the previous couple years? I don't know. We'll get into that in just a second on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes! Tuck left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's cut. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or that notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode. You can be in every day or we're still here for you guys four to five times a week, even during the offseason. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we've got a bunch of great mailbag questions to get into once again today. You guys came out in droves. It's awesome. We love mailbag questions. So thank you so much for your enthusiasm. And no one more enthusiastic than one of our most prolific question askers to lead off the show here. Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan wants to know the Knicks roster is currently as currently constructed right now, excluding what the rest of the league does. What do you think Vegas has the Knicks win total at for this season? And would you go over or under Gavin? I will toss that to you. Where do you think the Knicks win total will be? All right. So I, I had them right at 48. Um, obviously just a, just a tad better than a season ago. Um, I, I think the Knicks will be a little bit underestimated, despite the fact that I think the Eastern Conference, and we can talk about this, I, I think it's probably gotten a little bit worse. But last year, Vegas had them, like, I, I think we were both in agreement, like a little bit under where we would have expected. Obviously, the Knicks didn't make a move that got internet hype over the offseason. And, and I, I don't think they meaningfully, like, changed who they are in prognosticators' minds. I think the only thing that could shift that is that there might be some analytics models that paint the Knicks as being in a really good place, replacing Dante DiVincenzo, or replacing Obi Toppin, excuse me, with Dante DiVincenzo. But Alex, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that number? Yeah, I'm, I'm never the pessimist, but I actually, as currently constructed right now, I would maybe actually have the Knicks a little lower mm. than this past season. So I would say... I would say that the over-under, because it seems like Vegas kind of always underestimates the Knicks, no matter what, um, even at their worst. <laughs> uh, it seems like they always kind of shoot under what the Knicks end up actually getting. I would say that Vegas, after last year putting the Knicks at, I think it was 37.5 or 38.5 going into the season, uh, wins, that is. I, I think that they'll probably put them at like 44.5 this year. So... I will technically speaking say that I think that they will go over that. And yet my number is actually like 45. If I was going to guess, I think they would probably win 45 games. 
I know that represents a little bit of a regression and some people might be like, well, what do you mean? Like, Oh, do you not think that like Brunson's going to get a year better? Are just going to get a year better quickly, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I could see it, but we've noted this a few times, you know, the Knicks in the two seasons in recent memory, when they've done really well, have had really great injury luck. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know how comfortable I feel betting on that again. Now, granted, I, I, I think Julius Randle will be fine. I think Jalen Brunson will be fine. I mean, I will say one thing that makes lack of injury, uh, lack of injury, sort of predictable with this team is that they play a pretty groundbound style of basketball all up and down the roster. Which, if you're not taking the the huge leaps and the huge landings that come with those, you're much less likely to hurt yourself. Uh, but that said, I mean, the injury bug bites every team at some point. This year it was the Knicks in the playoffs, but if something would happen to them, particularly to Julius Randle. That's the main guy I'm looking at right now. If Julius Randle gets hurt and misses like 25 games or something throughout the course of this regular season, then the Knicks could be in trouble because they now don't have much of a contingency in place for if he goes down uh, with Obi Toppin now off the team. So uh, ironically, even though, as you said, analytics might love the DiVincenzo move a little more, I think that it sort of puts the Knicks between a rock and a hard place pending any more moves, of course. But the question was, as constructed right now, how do we feel about it? Uh, I, I think that that worries me a little bit. So I, they definitely need to at least address that in some meaningful way of, of getting a backup for that they know can play some minutes if, if Julius Randle is to miss any time, I think, before I feel comfortable giving them over what their current projection is. Right. So Randall, of course, broke his leg, missed his entire first season after playing 14 minutes in the first game. Since then, 81 games, 74, 82, 73, 64, 71, 72, 77. So we look at that. The worst reasonable case scenario is that he only plays 64 games. And I think the Knicks could certainly go over 44 and a half. Heck, I even think they could go over 48 without that. They might have to trade for a starting caliber power forward. And I think to me that would that that is kind of the the interesting angle of this question, this interesting angle of the Randall injury hypothetical. Because if Randall gets hurt and he's on track to miss 30 games earlier in the year, I don't think the Knicks are going to panic and trade a first round pick for someone just to be a stopgap. I do think if Randall gets hurt and is projected to miss playoff time before the trade deadline, then you could see a world where the Knicks make a move. You can see a world where the Knicks don't want to lose the season. But I agree with you that is a really significant potential weak point it would really be my only hesitancy in going over because once this team got Josh Hart last year they played at a 56 win regular season pace and I think you just have to look at the overall youth on this roster like who could you reasonably project from last season's team is going to be worse this year the only guy I came up with is Julius Randle just because of the seesaw nature of his time on the Knicks right one terrible season one incredible season back to crap Back to really good. Maybe we're still on that ride, Alex. Who knows? I think I would be crazy to assume we could predict Julius Randle at this point. But I don't know. I guess my gut instinct is he's roughly going to be the guy he was last year. And if he is that guy and he plays, I don't really see any reasonable reason this team's going to be worse. RJ is going to be better. I think Brunson could have maybe not an MVP type season, but just a notch below that. Emmanuel quickly. Quentin Grimes, I can keep listing names all I want, Alex. I just think this team has a chance to be a borderline juggernaut next season. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, let's put it this way. I could just as easily see my prediction or like a 45 wins or see 53 wins or something like that. You know, something crazy. Like all it would take is that they 
gel just right and go on a run like they did this past year once they got Josh Hart. And maybe it means another great deadline acquisition, you know, because there's no way to know that. Um, I think my main worry right now is just how it's going to work not having a a perfect backup for Julius Randle. And maybe that means that we'll see Jericho Sims more in, in situations where they need to go bigger or something like that. But that that configuration didn't inspire me much beyond the first couple games where I was like, oh, this is better than expected. I, I think that's basically where I'm at now. I, and this is probably just the eternal eternal pessimism of being a Knicks fan is that I always kind of assume that a good thing can't last. Um, granted, 45 wins would imply that a good thing is still lasting because that's still a winning record, still probably a six seed or so. But also to your point, you know, the East maybe has gotten a little weaker this year. So maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm sort of uh, underestimating the, the leaps that this team could take. I certainly hope so. Uh, but I think maybe unless you had one last point that you wanted to throw in there, this might be a good segue into our next question where we're going to actually examine if the Knicks have done enough to address their weaknesses so far this offseason. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is it's kind of a shame Carmelo Anthony retired because we could have had a Julius Randle injury and a repeat <laughs> of the East is big man. Oh, wait. It's not that big of a deal season um, in 2012-13. Maybe, who knows, maybe maybe R.J. Barrett pulls that off. Not quite the same shooter or scorer as Carmelo Anthony, but you know, a man can dream big, Alex. Um, but first, I got to tell everyone about our buddies over at Ibotta. Picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user saves $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, that Knicks game you've been dying to go to, let's be honest, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, Alex, let's run it back. One more question from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan, our mailbag MVP. And I think this is kind of a part two on the previous one. We already we already sort of addressed it, but let, let's keep going. What worries do you have about the Knicks roster is currently constructed right now? And do you think they can fix the weaknesses that plagued their roster last season? What do you think those weaknesses are? So I think that they actually have done a great job of addressing weaknesses just they also sort of created a new weakness, right? I think that's the big, my only issue so far with the Knicks offseason. And to be clear, you know, when I was addressing the last question, like it was all under that caveat that was in the question of like, as things are constructed right now, what do you think? Yeah. But the, the reality is I don't think they're done yet. So I think that we've still got some Knicks moves coming. But I think that if you watched how things ended in the playoffs, what you – had to take away from that was this team needs more consistent shooting and maybe another guy that can sort of create for himself and others a little bit uh, and, you know, create his own shot and just generate a three from somewhere and, and draw the attention of defenders on the perimeter. 
And they got that in DiVincenzo. And DiVincenzo is a guy that I think is probably about good enough to start on half the teams in the NBA. I mean, I, I think that he's really good. And he's going to come off the Knicks bench and be arguably their third best player off the bench, uh, which is crazy depending on how you rate Hartenstein. I, I almost rank Mitch and Hartenstein in their own category just because what they do is so different from everybody else on the team. But as it stands, like with DiVincenzo, his contemporaries uh, on the, the wing guard spot – uh, with uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart, I think that he probably slots in third there, maybe second. I don't know, depending on how you feel about him versus Hart or if they're roughly the same talent level, whatever. But so they've done a great job in that respect. Um, I think my biggest issue, and, and I addressed in the last segment, of creating a new weakness is you now sort of have this gaping hole at the backup four. And I just, I, I could see it working to a degree against some teams, with hey, Josh Hart. There will be Alex before I let you go on 12 points today in summer league. So, oh, all right. I mean, maybe it's Roby. I don't know. I, we mm-hmm. have had people like in our YouTube comments being like, Why aren't you guys talking about yeah. Isaiah Roby? Roby deniers. <laughs> Roby deniers. You guys don't believe in the guy. Uh, I might, I might yes. Admit, if, if, if you can have the Strickland people make that up for me, a Roby denier shirt, that would be Roby great. Deniers. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll work on that one. But, <laughs> yeah. <We'll> yeah. Custom. <laughs> a little custom job. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it, I, I think that they'll still work to address that. So as long as they address that hole, I, I think they've done a good job making themselves better. I mean, I, like I, I've been saying this all offseason, I think what they had to have taken away from that Miami series is you just need talent on talent on talent and hopefully guys that can shoot. And and that can eventually win you a series or a game or a 10-minute stretch You know that you need to win at some point. Uh, and I think they've done a really good job with that with DiVincenzo by fortifying that bench even further without really losing – anything you know they, they other than again they they traded obi top in i anticipate that they'll still probably have some sort of move to fill that spot at some point if not make a bigger splashier star type trade uh, or even go for like an og on an obi type of guy that could potentially swing between the three and four spot but either way i i, I like what they've done so far this offseason i think they've done a really good job addressing weaknesses yeah, I'm with you as well. Like, I, I think coming into this year, and th- this could be a full episode. We, we could do this as a ranking. I think they're one of the three deepest teams in the NBA. I think it's them, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And th- there's no one else really in that mix. And it sounds weird to say when they have that gaping hole at backup power forward. But to your point on DiVincenzo, you look at their top nine, and there just isn't a lot of teams in the NBA that can match that. And, of course, to, to our previous point, Rand- the Randall injury is, is sort of like the one like weak point. It's like it's like, oh, you poke this spot in the trap, like it collapses in on itself and it's all over. But I, I think you can't say there are many better. Like, I don't even know who you say is the Knicks ninth guy. Like, is it Hartenstein? Is it is it DiVincenzo? Like you could you could spin it however you want. Like the, no, no one has a ninth best player like that. So the Knicks are in a great position as far as their weaknesses. I looked at the regular season numbers. I looked at the playoff numbers. Um, shooting uh, was an issue in the regular season. They're eighth in the league in three-point attempts, but only 24th in three-point percentage. Scoring in the playoffs, they were third to last in point per game in points per game. Excuse me, second to last in effective field goal percentage, last in three-point percentage. They were the only team in the postseason under 30%. Um, and guys, just to me, like the fundamental issue there is almost less that they shot 29%. And more so that they couldn't help playing guys down the stretch of games that weren't being guarded. And presumably, you would hope that DiVincenzo fixes that. But I'm not sure if it does, like if they're still going to be closing with one of Josh Hart or R.J. Barrett on the floor. And I think there's a world, Alex, where they're going a little bit smaller this year. And you're seeing finishing lineups that are Brunson, DiVincenzo, Grimes, or Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, with Randall, 
with Mitch. And we've said it a bunch of times. There are very few teams that can make the Knicks pay for putting that relative lack of size on the floor when guys like Quickly and Grimes are just elite defenders for their size. That being said, the one final weakness I noticed is looking for a long wing defender, right? Grimes and Hart do a great job on the perimeter, but you can say there are specific matchups, especially look at the Celtics. I look at the Bucks, where there are going to be guys like a Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown that could hurt you at that two spot. But I, I just, I don't see a whole lot of significant weaknesses and a lot of the scoring, a lot of the shooting, I think DiVincenzo helps with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, I think as long as you can by committee sort of uh, defend those guys, you know, maybe you can make that work. But yeah, there is something to like, if Jason Tatum just wants to get a shot over Quentin Grimes, no matter how good Grimes defends him, he could probably get that shot over him because he's just that much taller, has that much longer of arms. And as you know, if he's taking a jump shot, it, it, Grimes can only so reasonably get into his space before he risks fouling him. Uh, and, and, you know, that might be the only solution sometimes or, or just kind of letting him get a shot off at, at will, you know, because he's just that much bigger. So I do think that they could still add a player of that, of that ilk. And, you know, they would probably have to make some sort of a trade to make that happen. You know, we've mentioned so many of these guys so many times, but like, you know, if they decide to go big, you could try to go for someone like Paul George, but it seems less likely that he's going to be available now. It seems like the Clippers are really locked in on this idea of trading for James Harden. You sort of get this feeling that's going to happen at some point or another. Um, you know, just once they can figure out a return, probably they're looking for a third team or something to help facilitate that and push some assets along or whatever. But, you know, that that seems less likely now. There's OG Ananobi on the market, but it's like, is Masai Ujiri just going to like hold your feet to the coals and and just stubbornly say, well, I'm not going to trade him. Unless he you will. want to give up what I want. He for will, him. Alex. I hate to tell you, he will. <laughs> and he will. And Leon Rose will keep looking him in the face and saying, well, no, this is what I'm willing to give you. So take it or don't. And then he'll say, well, I won't. And then they'll just keep doing that over and over. 20 for phone him, calls a day until right. the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love if they could add a, someone like that. And I think that would sort of be the final piece. Uh, like I said, if, if you could ideally get someone who's like a 3-4 hybrid too off the bench, I think that would be ideal at this mm -hmm. point to be able to have someone who's long enough to fill in behind Julius Randle, but still ha has enough wingy tendencies to sort of, you know, keep things uh, like be able to still put the ball on the floor and, and things of that nature. Um, I think that could be really good. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but I, so far, given what resources they had available to them, which was basically just the mid-level exception and then a bunch of trade avenues, so far, using the mid-level exception, they've done great with DiVincenzo. The trade avenues, would, we still have yet to see. So I guess we'll see as, as the summer goes on. But for yeah. now, I, I give them a, a high high mark. I, I guess my concluding point on this, and, and, and maybe my concluding point summing up the first two questions. After they got Josh Hart, they were one of the three best teams in the league against a top 10 difficulty of schedule in the league. They beat the Cavs, who net rating painted as a top five team in the league in completely dominant fashion. And then they played Miami, who went on to make the NBA Finals, of course, uh, with one of their three best players out, another one of their three best players hobbled. And you can put qualifiers in that, right? You could say Randall still played, even if he didn't play well. You could say quickly, uh, really, really struggled um, when he was playing in the playoffs, and yet the Knicks were dramatically better when he was on the court despite that. And you could say um, them not playing Quentin Grimes was obviously a fundamental issue which who knows if Tom Thibodeau's learned his lesson on that, or if he hasn't learned his lesson on that, it seemed like he did. And it seemed like he didn't for stretches. So who really knows? I, I guess my point is like, there's a world 
where if we buy into what this team was post getting Josh Hart, that they could be great this year, that they could far exceed expectations. And, and my hesitancy in going all in on that take is that is reliant on the version of Josh Hart that was putting up three threes a game, wasn't afraid to shoot, and was somehow shooting 55% from three. Because to me, that is what is make or break in those lineups. And I guess the only way I would counter that is that if Quentin Grimes is improved and can do some of the extra stuff from a rebounding perspective, from attacking the rim perspective, from finishing through contact perspective that Hart brought to the table while bringing elite shooting, while bringing as good, or let me throw it out there, Alex, better defense, the Knicks have a chance to be better. It's just about how much those guys improve. I think it's worth betting on those guys improving. It's worth betting on some internal development and saying the Knicks, if not substantially better than next last year, they will be a little bit better than last year. Um, let's come back one final time. We will answer a question from one of the greats on Knicks Twitter, DP at Captain Pro NYK. That next on Locked on Knicks. All right. This one comes from DP at Captain Pearl NYK. And he says, my summer hot take, so to speak, is that Randall, who played 37, 35, 35 minutes per game the last three years, will average closer to 30 minutes per game this season and rarely play full quarters in a row like the last three years. Thoughts? So, Alex, this is interesting, right? Because as we just noted, of course, no Obi Toppin this year. Do you think this is the year Tom Thibodeau says, hey, Julius, you know what? Why don't you take a break? I think it's more likely that Julius plays closer to 40 minutes this year than that he takes a step back closer to 30. I mean, I just don't see any world where with I, – I, I guess my if if this is going to be a discussion with uh, Captain Pearl, uh, it would, I would say like well, what makes – what gives you confidence that that's going to happen when there's nobody really backing him up? Uh, at least not like a, a true blue power forward, which like Tibbs – if we know anything about him and, you know, it seems almost like the front office, at least if, if this is where the roster lands is trying to sort of force his hand into playing a little smaller, but we know that Tibbs' preference is to have these guys sorted into neat little boxes, you know, that, that he likes to play them from. And it seems like he's at least branched into like point guard, combo guard, wing, and then like power forward center. Like he still views power forwards and centers as very much like, stationary positions the first three guys maybe he'll be a little more creative with but those two spots like power forward and center are very sacred to him the east is big man the east is big man you know what i mean and and so any minute that it wasn't julius randall it was pending foul trouble or injuries or what have you it was almost always uh obi Toppin out there instead of julius randall and you could almost map it like to the second that you know that was that was who was going to occupy the power forward spot every single night and usually it was Julius for like 35 to 37 minutes and top in for 10 to 13 minutes, you know, and, and that was it. And so I guess like uh, this year, if they continue having, you know, this, this roster as it is right now and don't add another power forward behind Julius Randall, I don't see any world where Tibbs is like, Oh, my solution is to play him less and play small or more because he's resisted. There's nothing he has resisted more in his time as Knicks head coach than playing small period, you know, like he, the whole reason that they had to trade Obi Toppin is because he refused to even entertain the idea of playing him and Julius Randle together for any stretches because he, he can't stand the idea of ever have putting a lineup out there that is significantly undersized compared to another team because he can't in his head, you could tell he can't like 
envision a world where his team it can't outsize, outmuscle, out defense someone on that end and and can't really put the pieces together of like, well, my team will be this much better on offense. Therefore, it's okay what we give up on defense. Um, so I, I don't see any way that that happens if they, if they don't make more moves, which maybe they do. Or maybe he really falls in love with the Sims and Hartenstein, you know, backup front court or something, uh, which he seemed to like at least to a degree until it kind of started getting exposed uh, at a certain point last year. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. I don't know how how you feel about this one, Gavin. But I, again, if if I were if we want to take this back to Vegas, like if I was going to set Randall's over under what I think Vegas would set it at for his minutes right now, they they'll probably put it at like. 36 and a half or something. And I would probably comfortably take the over on that at this particular moment. I hear you. I hear you. I think that is the logical answer. I think I would slot Julius right where he was last year at 35 minutes, just because I think Leon Rose is going to put his foot down on this and say, Hey, we employ 60 nerds, uh, myself included in that category, except not employed by them, to tell you that it's smart to play Josh Hart here. It's smart to play R.J. Barrett here. We're paying these guys a lot of money, so why don't we just try this out? And I think where Tibbs would would honestly, Alex, like despite the fact that it's his whole life, would walk away from the game is if someone insisted to him, uh, as you just described, that like, hey, man, we're going to keep Obi. you got to play him and Julius for 10 minutes together. He would have packed up his bag and said, you know what? So it's not, it's a young man's game now. It's not for me. That's not basketball. I think this is a pressure point where he could be tipped over because late in the season, there were moments, there were stretches where he did play Josh Hart at power forward. Despite the fact that Josh Hart is six foot four and has no business playing power forward in an NBA game, I think that is the extent of Tibbs' respect for this guy, for his toughness, for his rebounding, for his strength, for his defensive acumen, that he could play him 13 minutes a game at that spot or RJ Barrett, maybe for a couple of those minutes and just match stuff up. Or in, or in a bad matchup, to your point, throw Jericho Sims in there. Just because I think it's so crucial, again, that you have Julius healthy at the end of the year. And, and Julius, like whatever you want to say about the guy, like at, at least last season, he was in fantastic shape. Um, he very rarely gets hurt. So there is like some evidence there to say like he can hold up to minutes in a way most guys in the modern NBA just can't. Um, but I think there's going to be an emphasis on saying like, Hey, we have a team that could win come playoff time. We have real expectations. Like let's do what every other team in the league does and not overplay our stars. And I, I think between, um, those options at power forward. And if you want to look at Jalen Brunson, at the point guards, by like, we didn't get this question, but I think he's going to play maybe a little bit less this year because I think they're going to want to make Emmanuel quickly happy. I think they're going to want to keep Jalen healthy. Um, so I could see it. Everything you said is totally logical, but I think, I think there's a world where he plays about the same minutes. Yeah, I think about the same is about where I would put the floor, though. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just can't see a world where he's going to play less than 35 this year. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's more than likely they'll end up playing more. Granted, I hope that the Knicks make some sort of move to address it. I mean, I, we haven't we'll have to at some point in the near future before they inevitably address it. Do like a show where we talk about like here, here is here's like six power forward options they could potentially go after free agent trade or otherwise. And. There's a bunch of names I can come up with, you know, and, and hopefully they they do that because I do think that it would be wise to get a good enough backup that you could comfortably at least have someone that that Tibbs will trust enough to give like the OB treatment from last year. And like I've thrown Jermichael Green out there. That's the guy I keep coming back to where I'm just like, this guy seems to make too much sense to not go after if like what you really want out of that backup power forward is just like, can you play some defense and shoot a three? 
It's like, that's Jamichael Green in a nutshell. Um, and that's kind of just like the role that he's been cast in over the last X number of years in his career. Like he's a, a fairly talented shooting big man uh, that seems to always be available for veterans minimum for some reason. Um, but, you know, gosh, something like him or, or someone that gives you a little more versatility maybe find my good buddy, Brandon Clark on the, on the uh, trade block somehow, the Grizzlies seem to be kind of in the process of mini blowing their team up. So maybe take advantage of that. Um, either way, it, I think that's the only way that you're going to see a, a, a anything lower than 35 for Julius Randle is if they get a backup option that they can really feel – not that they can. When I say they, I mostly just mean Tibbs. A guy that Tibbs can feel good enough about playing at least Obi Toppin's minutes behind Julius Randle, but preferably more than that. Um, maybe with five minutes per game with Josh Hart at the four or something like that, or RJ Barrett at the four. But I just, I can't see a world where he's going to comfortably be like, oh, some mixture of RJ slash Hart at the four is good enough for me for 15 minutes a game. Uh, I, I just can't see that because it just doesn't, it doesn't vibe with anything that he's done in his DNA as a coach so far with the Knicks. So it, it kind of would just be a, I'll believe it, I'll believe it when I see it sort of situation for me at that point. I hear you. I hear you. You know what? Tibbs is good at Tibbs, so maybe you're 100% right. We could get 48 <laughs> minutes of Julius Randle this year, and, uh, well, I mean, God God save us if we do. But uh, for now, uh, he's Alex Wolf. I'm Gavin Shaw. Uh, we will talk to you next time, maybe with a very special guest talking a little OG and an OB. Uh, we'll save that for later in the week. Um, but until then, be good. We'll talk to you soon. I'm on the next.